everyone. Welcome back. I'm Shannon Bodie, and this is the Love in the Mirror podcast. Welcome to season three. We are keeping it real. Oh, so real. And a bit ironic that we're discussing imposter syndrome and how we might not feel real or genuine in this episode. If you have ever been there, this one is for you. So imposter syndrome. There are lots of definitions out there, but really when we're not feeling like we are up for where we are, when we are not feeling worthy or doubting our ability, whenever you feel like you're faking it or someone is going to find out that you have no idea what you're doing, those are some of our symptoms, yes? So let me just start off with a little bit of admission in the spirit of keeping it real. I help my clients with this all the time in my one-on-one coaching practice. I also deal with it myself and have dealt with it myself. 70% of us out there who are doing something that we love or that matters to us, we're going to run into this. <laughs> so back in the day, still every once in a while sometimes, But every time I had a client session, I swear for the first probably 10 years at least of my career, definitely as a graduate student starting out, and for several times after that, I would get so nervous before a one-on-one session. I knew that it really mattered to me to be helping people. I knew that I was somehow related and connected to what I was meant to be doing. I knew I was following my purpose. Those are pretty big things to know. But I still always thought, I'm going to fall on my face. There's going to be a problem that I cannot fix. I didn't understand that it wasn't my job done to fix it yet. I felt like I had to imitate my mentors, either known or studied and watched for years for years and years and years. And now every once in a while, in other arenas of my professional life, when I'm training or sometimes teaching yoga or leading a large training for (laughs) who I I call my large trainings for grownups, I still feel and make jokes about the fact that I need to put on my grownup hat. I'm going to put on my grownup or my big girl pants and show up and everyone is going to think I belong there. And once I forget that and I step into the flow of things and I allow things to come through me rather than from me, then I'm fine. But man, is it easy to forget that I can get out of the way that I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing, right? I also happen to do a very systematic Facebook poll on this issue. And everyone responded with one of two answers. It was really interesting. Either folks felt imposter syndrome all the time, all the time, a lot of you said, or at least at work when we feel this need to perform and the performance anxiety, I think that automatically, you know, gets, you know, confounded by the fact that our livelihood can be dependent in some ways on what we're about to step into. Will we be good enough at it, particularly when professional appraisal is is in play? So you're in good company, friends. You're in very good company if that's coming. 
and if that's part of your jam right now, even if it's something that pops up for you and you don't have to navigate it as often as you used to. Another place that imposter syndrome comes up for me is personally. Who am I to be helping others or holding space for others in relationship when my relationship history or family history is not perfect? When I have had some of my own very significant either trauma or conflict times in my personal life. And what I've come to realize more often than not is those times and the work I've done through those create a deeper empathetic container for me, create more space that I can hold for others as long as I can hold it for myself in different ways. <laughs> so I would have statements for years like, well, happy pa- married people act, act like this, right? Or happy people who have happy relationships with this member of their family of origin, that that looks like this, right? Okay. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it look like this. If you happen to catch the episode on window shopping, you might've heard some of that. We can get a lot of inspiration and ideas from window shopping, watching others who have the nature of relationships that we want, but nobody can really live into that and navigate our own histories, our own pain, rise through and move with it the way that we can in our own particular skin. I've come to realize that my path is unique and it's supposed to be. And the gifts that I have to offer from and because of that are also supposed to be here. So hence this podcast, hence this episode. So if you're dealing with this in any way, Again, you're in good company. What do you do if this is happening for you, right? Uh, let's look at a few cognitions or example thoughts. If some of the ones I shared didn't quite um, resonate with you, maybe here's a few more. Who am I to do this? Maya Angela herself says, I've written 11 books and any minute now they'll find out I don't know what I'm doing. Another version of thought pattern is fear that something will happen. And this is where we can, it's a great imposter syndrome and its feelings and thoughts are a great basket in which to catch our limiting beliefs. If I'm successful, this will happen. Fill in the blank. Typically, imposter syndrome happens more when we approach greater and greater proximity to a goal, toward a state of being, life and career, relationship, finances, you name it, where we'd really like to go. And so what is our fear that might happen if we actually reach that goal? Will family steal money? Will someone judge me? Will someone else say, who do you think you are, little girl? Just for example. 
I used to work with young men and women, very brave young women, men and women who were um, in mandated treatment. They had either been given, because they were minors, the option to go to juvenile hall or do some time in substance abuse inpatient treatment or both. And that's where my work with them came in. And we would do all kinds of amazing therapeutic work, um, working on the origins of addiction, working with harm reduction models, um, really working with um, choices and all kinds of incredible insights would go off. And it was tragic and compelling to watch some family sessions where the family from either cultural background, you name it, would come in and the whole family, because they lived that pattern of abuse and addiction, looked at that client of mine in session who'd been striving and trying so hard to move on and say, who do you think you are? You're leaving us behind. You think you're better than us in some way, right? So we can also look at what are we afraid that's going to happen? And this is where things can come to light and we might be able to make an impact. It might become safe to succeed. It might become safe for us to succeed regardless of the appraisal of others regardless of our fear of abandonment or our fear of success, right? So is it safe to thrive for you or someone else? Just tune in and see if any bells and whistles are going off internally with that. And is that potentially a place where self-doubt arises, right? Another point of origin can, of course, be comparison, Our Oprah calls it the thief of joy for a reason. You know, I talked about there's one really great strategy of looking at others for inspiration and example. And then there's the shadow side of that window shopping, which is I'm never going to do it the way so-and-so does it. I'm not meant to do my podcast the way Brene Brown does, the way Jen Hatmaker does, the way... Tara Barak does, the way Diamond and Silk do, you name it, my podcast is supposed to show up like this, like me, authentically as me, as best as possible. And if I try to make it like those other containers for whatever reasons, if I try that too much, I'm going to miss my own gifts and so is everyone else. Your perspective is valuable. And in fact, one of my um, one of my resources that I that I love to dig into sometimes for podcast creation, my host uh, Bud Sprout talks a lot about the status of expert versus contributor. We also so I'm looking at ways we can break down those cognitions, those thought patterns. Right? Well, who am I to contribute? Who am I to say what has to take place here? Who am I to offer something of value? You are contributing to the conversation. You're contributing to the conversation either with yourself and the goals you have in relationship, to the conversation with another around where you'd like that relationship to go, or you're contributing to the project, to the product, to the career step that you're looking for. You don't have to be a quote unquote expert for your input to be valuable. So 
keeping that in mind. I'm contributing. My contributions are valuable, especially if you're feeling that come up. Mm-hmm. What are a couple of other things that we can look at those limiting beliefs and look at the wins? Tally your wins, my friends. This is not, I repeat, it's not an act of of pride. It's not an act of overinflated egotism. (laughs) I think many of us who are humble and coming from a place of service don't want to toot our own horn very much. It's very helpful, however, when we're building those neural nets to prove to ourselves otherwise and building up the narrative that our contributions matter, that we belong in the space we're in, to count up what is working. Let the winds be felt and celebrated. There is research on how, of course, it takes seven positive comments to outdo the weight of one negative comment in a variety of circumstances, either to ourselves or from someone else. So stacking up our wins, even the small ones, those count. Those count for something. I had to start doing this as I was counting up the wins in, I keep using this as a live example. It's coming through today. I'll trust it. In the podcast process, right? Researching platform, researching recording, music, getting all the technology to work. All of those steps happened before I hit record today. Some of them were multifold. If I count each step, each successful learning as a win that got me to this point to be speaking and sharing with all of you, oh my goodness, then that also reduces the pressure of one giant thing off my to-do list because I've finished 20. So if you're a to-do list person that loves getting crossings or those gold stars off your list and noting those, it's super validating. It also says, oh, I'm the type of person who understands how to do this. I just helped all these things happen. I just figured this out. Or I have successfully figured this out in this skill set however many times. Build up the proof that is very real that you have done it and that you will do it. And that matters. And this gets to another area where we can refute some of those limiting beliefs. And that's in transferable skills. Our wins are in those places too. You hear this a lot in the um, job application arena right now or the career search arena. In resume speak, in resume writing, what are your transferable skills that might add to this position? So If this is you specifically even looking out to branch in a different career path or perhaps a different bit of a different position than you've been used to, you might have skills that relate directly to where you'd like to go. Did you employ them specifically in that particular job, title, or role? Not necessarily. But if you make a case for how those skills are also going to contribute to your learning contribute to your value in the space, those skills matter. Whether or not it happened in the exact same container, it matters. And there's a lot of trend in the field right now of personal evolution and career wisdom and training that speaks to transferable skills as highly, highly valuable. So don't negate those. (sighs) Finally, 
when we look at the tyranny of perfectionism. Can you put that aside even for a little bit and surrender to the good enough offering that is? What is the good enough piece? The good enough piece of content, the good enough communication, the good enough presentation, the good enough conversation. This works well if you may suffer from that either post-analysis after a presentation or after a big conversation, like, oh my gosh, I wish I had said X, Y, and Z, or you're constantly reviewing in your mind what you could have done better. I know that a lot of us in different sports or athletic arenas might also deal with this. I could have done better. I could have made that goal. I could have done that play better. Oh, I could have beat my time. What was the good enough? What did you show up for in your training, in your endurance that your body was capable of and that you continued to maintain? That matters and that counts. I'll take a pause for a moment and remind you all if you haven't gotten to go to the show notes yet. Friends, I have a new affiliate partnership with Instacart. And before you fast forward through this part of the podcast, hear me out. You will help support Love in the Mirror. Thank you so much. And you'll get $10 off your first delivery order if you click on the specific link in the show notes for this episode of Love in the Mirror and any episode in season three. Those will continue to be forthcoming. And if you don't know about Instacart, oh my gosh, if anyone knows me, they say, they know that Instacart is a gift that I give myself. And I've said that. I've even looked at cutting back our family budget recently and decided to keep it because it is that valuable to me. And it's also that reasonable. You can have groceries delivered in as little as an hour. You get all kinds of discounts. I'm telling you, friends. It's, it is the gift that keeps on giving when you're super busy, when you want to plan healthy meals for yourself, for others, when there is one more thing and you need energy to be putting toward what you'd actually like to do and to not spend it in the store, Instacart's your buddy. So go ahead and check on that affiliate link. And thank you so much for helping, ah, beyond words for me, pursue this dream of love in the mirror, lending toward our income and yours together. So let's get back to this imposter syndrome. I talked a little bit about what you can expect, what you might be dealing with in terms of thought patterns, right? Here's a few solutions or things to try out. First off, rituals to get the energy flowing and build habits. Now, this comes up a lot often with folks who are dealing with creative writing goals. So you're like, oh, I'm just going to write five minutes a day. I'm going to write 10 minutes a day. I'm going to free write for half an hour. I don't care what comes out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set the timer every day at two o'clock. That's my time. Or it might not be exactly at two o'clock, but I know every day it's 30 minutes, right? So those rituals that start to get wheels in motion, where energy goes, Hmm. And where the mind goes, energy flows. So when we are repeating those patterns, we're also repeating and creating those new neural nets and thought patterns that, oh, I'm the person that does this. Regardless of whether or not you're getting quote unquote product or, or a finished 
you know, project, book, you name it out yet, that's okay. Rituals to get energy flowing are super powerful. You could also habit stack the behavior you feel perhaps the most imposter about with a reward, right? Example here. I happen to moderate a couple of uh, large online forums and group, co- group coaching forums in my, what I say, my quote unquote day job. One of them is the nature of content that is much more challenging for me to moderate. So I am needing to look up a lot of resources to give members, um, you know, appropriate answers. It's a lot of work. It's really educating me a lot. I love being there and being in service in that way, but I know it's going to take a lot out of me. So guess what? I do that one first, then I go in and group coach moderate my yoga community after that because, ah, that's the reward. That's the relief. I get it going. It gets flowing, right? Now, I could do this the other way around too because if I wanted to be in flow zone mode or feeling successful, I might go in and moderate my yoga community first because then it already gets me in the zone. I stack on my other moderation for this other community right after I'm already in the zone, right? I know it's working. I'm in the flow. I'm in that space of confidence that I get to bring with me and use my transferable skills into different content. So there's a couple of ways to work that stacking as reward. I don't feel like an imposter in the yoga community. I might feel a little bit unnatural or a bit more imposter in some of the other places. That goes down the more time I spend there. That is just one example to, to work with. Remembering to do the next right thing. These are also super helpful. This can also be known as the Kaizen approach or tiny smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Don't worry about getting that acronym down completely. It's okay if you don't. But this is where we work with wise, steady progression, or in yoga, we call it vinyasa krama, the next right thing. If you are comparing yourself to the X end result, exactly where you want to be, If you're on your second date and comparing it to your ideal dream marriage, oh my goodness, how much pressure. Oh, what if we take that off our shoulders and say, I'm going to live into the next right thing. Say the next truthful, kind thing. I'm going to put myself out there in one more courageous step in relationship. If maybe that next step in relationship building is, I'm going to actively listen while my partner speaks. These are small, again, small wins, small deepening of grooves that help us live into where we'd like to get down the road, right? Kate Stillman, when she talks about identity evolution, says, I'm the type of person who... So repeating that to yourself, I'm the type of person who does have successful, meaningful relationships. I'm the type of person who does have this financial prosperity, meets my financial goals and savings goals. You can start to name your goal and work with language around that. One of the ways that I love to watch folks 
catapult ahead when it comes to that language is with tapping or emotional freedom technique. We can also use a lot of techniques through energy medicine, the pledge spot, and a few other things. If you'd like a one-on-one session with me to do that, to figure out or help discern more deeply, where are those limiting beliefs? Where are your blocks? What are the beliefs that we can help either tap on to deepen that integration of mind, body, spirit? Please email me. You can book a session to do that. Shannon at innerpeacerising.com. And you can go to innerpeacerising.com, the coaching one-on-one page for information on those sessions. I'd love to work with you and deepen tailoring that experience. That's here for you. So friends, thank you for walking with me, for hearing some of the places where I've had imposter syndrome. I'd love to hear where yours shows up because it just deepens the experience of we are not alone. So next time you catch that, first lengthen your exhale for some anxiety relief. Deep breath. Know that you're not alone. Know that you have agency, that you have something to contribute that is valuable. Maggie Worrell says, you don't have to achieve mastery to be worthy of the success you've achieved. We are in this together, friends. So thank you for being here. And until next time, I'm so grateful to have you with me. This is Love in the Mirror.